This podcast is a member of WGPRN, WildGamesProductions.com. folks and welcome to episode number five of the darker days podcast it is i host vincent along with my faithful co-host mark mark how you doing today i'm doing well vincent how you doing great uh, as a special edition today we have a special guest rob rob say hello hello <laughs> how you doing today rob i'm surviving it's a three-day weekend ahead of me so it's getting better that's right it's fourth of july weekend here in the states Oh, God, it is. Congratulations, guys. Independence from, uh, you, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this obviously, uh, we renumbered the episodes because uh, someone had uh, made a little comment that it might be a little confusing because of episode zero. So, I'm completely confused. I don't know where we are. We're episode five. This is actually a milestone for podcasting. Uh, apparently, in the podcast world, if you get to episode five, that means you'll be around longer than four episodes. Uh, something to be proud of <laughs> yeah definitely there are a lot of uh, podcasting networks out there that don't take you if you don't have at least five episodes so yeah it's it's important I guess yeah it is definitely now uh, Rob want to explain a little bit about you You host your own weekly or I should say daily podcast I think it is no it's weekly if, if we did daily I'd be insane <laughs> Which, tell us a little bit about that uh, it's called the Bear Swarm Podcast. We record out of the back room of a gaming shop down here in Springfield, Missouri. Essentially, it's a bunch of friends sitting around microphones talking about whatever we're interested in, and every week we try to talk about gaming. Uh, we start the show off with usually a topic discussion of something in role-playing, and then we move into just BSing about our you know stuff we've discovered that week or personal stuff, just whatever we feel like talking about. Mm-hmm. And generally, what is it, a 10, 15-minute podcast? Or? We're typically around an hour. Little, uh, We've hit hour and a half sometimes, but I, I try to keep them around an hour-ish. But if we really yeah. get going on stuff, we just keep going. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we brought you along this week because you uh, actually got a jump start since you had gotten the Geist uh, Quick Start rules, which a lot of us had not gotten. And we wanted to hear your take on it as opposed to our take. So we'll get to that when we get to the New World of Darkness feature. Mark, you want to jump into the uh, mailbag and pull out our letters and see what's going on? Yeah, reaching right in. Um, <laughs> well, there's been a lot of activity over to our forums, um, so I want to say a big thanks to everybody who's posting there, building up a cool little community. Uh, there are plenty of places to go on the uh, on the web and discuss World of Darkness games, so yeah, we think it's really neat that people are taking the time to drop by our forums and share their thoughts there. So uh, thanks, guys. Keep them coming. Um, the emails have been coming in thick and fast. Uh, big shout out to Beckett. He sent us a mail with some interesting insights into Monty Cook's World of Darkness. Uh, and if folks are actually interested in that, there was a variant set of rules. Maybe we could take a closer look at that uh, with Beckett's help somewhere down the line. Uh, Boggan Knight sent us a fantastic mail. The man is clearly a World of Darkness scholar of distinction. Uh, he's got lots of experience with uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle, the Rage Card game, uh, live-action role-playing with the Camarilla, and World of Darkness games across all the main game lines. So we'd love to get him on the show at some point to share some of his war stories with our listeners. 
Um, also, a shout out to Rosie, who's been checking us out while playing World of Warcraft. Uh, excellent use of your time there, Rosie. Um, she's going to be starting a game up soon with five players, so uh, be sure to drop us a line. Let us know how that goes. Uh, we also haven't heard from our main man, Telperion, in a while. Drop us a line, dude. Say hi. And uh, finally, shouts out to Warlock2000 and William Powell, along with Beckett and Boggan Knight. They're our most recent members of the forums, and they're already diving right in there. So, uh, good stuff, guys. Thanks a lot. And, uh, of course, you can uh, drop a line to Mark anytime, because he's always refreshing that finger at uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. I almost forgot the email address. Wow. <laughs> uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com, indeed. And you can uh, check us out at wildgamesproductions.com slash forums, and you can uh, sign up and drop us a little note. Good stuff. And uh, that's pretty much ending the mailbag today, wouldn't you say? Yep, rooting around at the bottom here and uh, nothing else down there. Have you had any experiences in LARPing, uh, Mark? Um, a s- very uh, small amount. We did a couple of uh, impromptu vampire LARPs, and uh, I've helped my cousin out. He's, uh, he was involved in making props for fantasy LARPs, um, so I helped a little bit out on that side at a couple of conventions, but uh, no real experience, no. I know, it sounds like fun, but I've just not had the time or, uh, or inclination to give it a real shot. I know I personally had been in a werewolf file LARP. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I was playing in it, and I did wind up dying. But <laughs> Oh, <laughs> excellent. Rob, you played in any LARPs? I've never played in any LARPs. I've, I've attended a few different LARPs and watched other people play. It's just not my cup of tea. There's just no appeal in it for me. Too many rubber swords. <laughs> Too many uh, rock, paper, scissor going on. <laughs> I've I've tended to notice people tend to take themselves a little too seriously, and it's uh, my first priority in gaming is to have as much fun as possible. And the few LARPs I've seen and I've attended, and it might just be you know bad luck on my end, but it's these people really get into it and really take this seriously. And when you start laughing, they get upset with you. Oh dear! <laughs> we sometimes you just can't help but laugh at some of those people's faces. Just, there will be no fun here, dear oh dear. All right, now on to some White Wolf news itself. Looks like they have some ready-made mage characters for download, which you can plug and play into your campaign, which is something that Mark and I always preach about. Anything mm. you can p- pick up and throw right into your campaign is always good to be embraced by us and the community, wouldn't you say, Mark? That's great. That's one of my, my biggest things. With, with less time on my hands, if I can pick it up and uh, get going with it right away, that's a, a definite sale for me. So, yeah, worth checking out. And there's uh, obviously so there were some more Geist previews uh floating in and out, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the show in our New World of Darkness section. And now, let's go to the part that everybody cannot wait for. Spooky news with Mark. (laughs) Okay, spooky news this week is about suicide machines. These, uh, simply put, are machines that you can make or buy that automate the process of committing suicide. Some of them help you shoot yourself in the face, others administer lethal injections, others uh, help you gas yourself. Um, They're used by people who want an infallible, error-free way of ending their lives for whatever reason. Unpleasant stuff, you know, and without getting into the discussions of the ethics and morality of suicide and voluntary euthanasia, the very idea of a self-operated machine to help you step off the carousel is, uh, I think, inherently creepy. And as we'll see, uh, there's a number of interesting ramifications for World of Darkness games. Now, strange as these things sound, they, they, they exist in the real world. Uh, one of the most famous is the Perfusor, which was promoted 
just last year by Roger Kusch, who was once a conservative politician over in Germany. Um, it's, it sets up an injection. The user injects himself uh, with a needle, pushes a button on the machine, and the machine shoots down an injection of potassium chloride, which is the same as is used in lethal injections in the United States. It's supposed to kill the subject in seconds, but uh, well, this is not always the case. Uh, another hit the news last year was made by an elderly guy from Australia from designs that he apparently got off the internet. A uh, complex design using a bus or a remote control for a toy car and a pistol. Uh, he used it to fire multiple shots from a 22 semi-automatic pistol at his own head um, rather than be moved into a care home by his relatives. Uh, we also have the case of Dr. Philip Nitschke, who is also from Australia, um, who in last year, 2008, designed a system of suicide by anoxia caused by the inhalation of nitrogen. Uh, basically, this machine replaces your normal air intake with nitrogen. Your body thinks it's breathing normally, and uh, of course it's not, and uh, bypasses the body's natural uh, urge to struggle against, uh, against suffocation. Um, Prior to that, in 2003, the same doctor designed a machine that would allow the user to inhale carbon monoxide, which he later replaced with nitrogen because uh, it provides an easier passage out of this world, apparently. And back in 96, uh, the same Dr. Nitschke developed an earlier system called the Deliverance Machine that allowed the user to administer a lethal injection through a laptop. Uh, the machine was hooked up to the laptop, you got the program running, and it just popped up uh, Windows-style prompts on the screen. Uh, hit the space key if you want to continue. Another one, yes, you've confirmed to continue with this. If you hit it a third time, you will be killed by lethal injection. This one was used in at least four cases of suicide. And of course, there's a good old Jack Kevorkian and his wonderfully named Thanatron and Mercitron machines. Mm. Uh, the first, the, uh, the Thanatron administered a mixture of chemicals, much like the, uh, the, the cocktail used in the, uh, the lethal injections, which put the user to sleep before killing him. And the second one administered carbon monoxide through a face mask. So there you go, uh, a, a grim picture from the real world there. So how, how do you use this in a world of darkness game? Well, we've got the Geist preview coming up later on, and uh, Geist is a game about those who have been beyond the veil of death and returned changed. So you could use one of these, for example, as the kickoff for your Geist character. Uh, your character uses one of these Thanatron machines, a suicide machine, and it goes wrong. Hmm. They don't die. Not fully, anyway. Come back as one of the Sin Eaters. If you're playing uh, Old World of Darkness, uh, you could use it in Wraith. Um, we used these in a Wraith game a few years ago from the other side of the, the shroud. Uh, the Wraiths know that one of these things is about to be used. They can perhaps see the death marks beginning to manifest on the person who's going to be using the machine. And the player characters are then sent to reap the wraith of the, uh, of the user, the suicide victim, or to prevent others from reaping him first. Uh, so you have these people in the living world about to uh, take their own lives, unaware that there's a whole cluster of, uh, of wraiths just waiting for them on the other side of the shroud. If you're a mage player, um, these things could be used to enter the lands of the dead for whatever reason, a way to compel awakening by some kind of artificial near-death experience under controlled conditions. Uh, in the old world of Darkness Mage, the Ascension, of course, this is of uh, most interest to the Euthanatos tradition. Uh, one of their initiatory rites involves a trip into the Shadowlands, the Agama Sojourn. Uh, and this might be a way for a technologically-minded Euthanatos character to uh, send himself across the shroud and bring himself back again under controlled conditions. Uh, I think one of the most uh, 
creepy and interesting uses would be for a vampire game. Um, you put something more than just potassium chloride in the machine. A cocktail of lethal chemicals and vampire blood. And you have a machine that will create a vampire uh, by embracing them by proxy. Uh, you might want to ask why might these be used? Um, clans like the Giovanni or Cappadocians from the Old World of Darkness could have an interest in them, given their affiliation with uh, necromancy and the dead. Um, we're going to talk about the Sabbat in a little while. It could be used as part of the, uh, the Sabbat creation rites. So there you have the... Uh, the creepiness of the suicide machines. Grim and unpleasant subject, to be sure, no doubt about it. Um, but in the world of darkness, uh, the creepier the better. Oh, definitely. I could see this in the making of some type of like horror movie. Some kids stumble upon something and become vampires or something like that. Mm. I could see that. Yeah. Well, there's a, there was another thing that popped into my mind with New Vampire. There's a bloodline out of one of the books. The I believe they're the children of Judas, who oh. is... Before they're embraced, they, they're suicide victims that a vampire then goes into embrace. And I could see right. them using one of these machines as kind of a, a setup for the next embrace. Right. Well, Judas hanged himself, of course. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's a nice tie in there. Good call. Yeah. Well, this has been some uh, interesting spooky news you found this week, Mark. Yeah, I, I left me with a really, really creepy feeling. I'm going to have to take a long shower after the show, I think, now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, t- if you want to use this in your campaign, drop by the forums and let us know how it works out in your campaign. We always love to hear your feedback on everything that we mm-hmm. uh, do. Mark is hitting refresh right now, waiting for that first email. Oh, wait, we're still recording. Never mind. Uh, anyway, let's go on to our first feature tonight uh, the, in the original or classic World of Darkness, the Sabbat. This is going to be the part one of... Uh, Two parts, I think, Mark. What do you say? Yeah, we'll split it over this show and the next. Um, cover the basics on this show and then get into some of the detailed uh, sub-factions in the Sabbat next show. Well, basically, uh, the Sabbat, we can basically say about them, they were initially antagonists. They weren't meant for players to actually use them to begin with. Uh, they were just meant to be thrown in there to, you know, antagonize the players, pretty much. And they were pretty much feral bikers from hell, wouldn't you say, Mark? Yeah. And they were fleshed out a little bit more in uh, a couple more books, like The Player's Guide to the Sabbat, The Storyteller's Handbook to the Sabbat, and uh, The Dirty Secrets of the Black Hand. The infamous, yeah. Which actually, didn't they uh, revise it into another guide to the Sabbat later on? I believe so. Yeah, they use uh, similar titles uh, later on. Under the revised game, it got its own hardcover, just called Guide to the Sabbat. With and a companion book called Cain's uh, Chosen, The Black Hand. The Black Hand. Um, the revised hi- handbook, Guide to the Sabbat, is, in my mind, one of the finer books that came out of the revised vampire line. Very good stuff. Rob, what, do you, what can you say about the Sabbat? Uh, I've got to say that it's been years since I played anything in the old world of darkness. So my memories of the Sabbat and old vampire games is fuzzy, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we want to do here with this feature is to just look at certain elements of the sect uh, with the principal focus of making them easy to incorporate into your chronicle, to make them memorable, um, to make them different, and uh, show how to portray them as something that steps away from that stereotype of biker vampires from hell. Hey, they're cool. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, or uh, chainsaw-wielding uh, pro-wrestling vampires. That's, hey, that's good leave yeah. Wolfman Jack alone. <laughs> I've got a lot of respect for the Wolfman. You know it. <laughs> Um, so basically the Sabbat have embraced their non-human sides and rejecting humanity pretty much as far as I remember, Mark. Yeah, they've got no interest in pretending to be something they're not. They have a non-human spirituality and non-human beliefs. They've, they've developed alternate methods of living, 
uh, alternate codes of morality by which to govern their lives and understand their state as one of the undead. And they, they, they contrast primarily with the Camarilla, uh, who were the, the core standard vampires of uh, the old World of Darkness Vampire the Masquerade game, mm. who who still try to preserve their humanity in one degree or another. The, the actual step humanity measured how far away from a, a humanistic state the vampire has degraded. Um, the, uh, the Sabbat rejected this completely. Um, and in play, uh, it's one of the things that, that really needs to be emphasized in order to bring them out and give them the color and flavor that they deserve. They do not adhere to human codes of morality or behavior. Um, it's not the same as being a ravening beast, you know, it's, it's much harder to play than that. Their thought patterns are alien to us, their ethics are inhuman, they're removed from humanity and their ways. Um, they're also warlike, they're combative, but they're not so much at war with all other vampires or mortals or the rest of the world, um, they're at war with their elders. Uh, the Sabbat were born out of uh, revolts against the ruling vampire classes, uh, and under Sabbat belief, they're at war with the Methuselahs and their masters, the Antediluvians. Um, now the Sabbat believe that they're real, the Antediluvians. They believe that they will rise one night and eat the world, and their war is to survive until that night comes. <laughs> and then, well, all bets are off. Yeah, they come across as uh, creepy, strange, jarring, and alien-like uh, compared to the Camarilla, pretty much. And they have a couple paths of enlightenment we're going to go over here right now and uh, put some emphasis on these so you can help uh, flesh out your character a little. Uh, the first one, Mark, uh, why don't you explain that one a little bit? Well, yeah, um, the paths of enlightenment, placing strong emphasis on these, I think, is the best way to bring across the non-human aspect of their spirituality. It's easy to say... You know, they're alien, or they're strange, or they're inhuman, but how are you going to show that in play? Uh, these paths of enlightenment, um, they are what replaces humanity. So a Sabbat vampire doesn't cling to humanity, he clings to the path of Cain, the path of evil revelations, the path of honorable accord. Now, out of these, a handful of them are deeply esoteric, very spiritual in nature. The path of Cain, the path of Lilith, the path of the Cathari, path of death and the soul. Um, so if you want to portray a, a Sabbat vampire with a deeply mystical nature who pursues ancient secrets, lost spirituality, and that kind of thing, uh, these are the ones that you want to use for that kind of character. The first two, uh, the Paths of Cain and Path of Lilith in particular, they tie in well to the primordial histories and beliefs of the vampires, and they're very good for players or NPCs um, who are interested in plumbing the mysteries of the antediluvians. And then the uh, Path of Evil Relations... Uh this is pretty much the stereotype uh, of, for the Sabbat. Uh, this is like the deception, deceptors, uh, the manipulators, the corrupt politicians, uh, and the sinister masterminds, like Lex Luthor. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. And, <laughs> and that was for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the path of the evil revelations is the, is the infernalist path. Um, and that, that's the reputation that, that Sabbat had as antagonists. These are demon-worshipping vampires. Um, and the path of evil revelations is, is the one for that. Um, they also have uh, this, well, we've mentioned the stereotypical vampire biker from hell. Mm. And if you're looking to portray that, the path of the feral heart uh, gives you a, a good handle on that, that attitude, that belief system. It's a classic bestial approach to vampirism. Uh, it has an almost animal spirituality at its heart. Um, so you might want to use this path if you want to portray primal predators and monsters in the classic sense. Now, by contrast to that, uh, you have the path of honorable accord. Uh, 
this is noble, uh, almost virtuous. Which, you know, it's hard to imagine a Sabbat vampire being virtuous, but it has uh, it has aspects of chivalry to it. Uh, it's honourable uh, in the way of uh, the honour of the warrior, and it's ideal for characters who want to have uh, the life of the warrior and live that life without descending into bestial rages and gnawing on their katanas. Um, it's good for those classic loner types with their strict codes of honor. And then we go that to the... Always, uh, oh, go ahead, Rob, sorry. Uh, that path always really reminded me of Dracula from the old Dracula movies, where he, he wasn't human by any stretch of the imagination, didn't try to blend in, but wasn't uh, a savage, raving, mad beast of a vampire. Oh, very much a lord of his domain, uh, with his own with his own code of belief. Totally master of his own domain, right? And then we go on to the path of power and inner voice. Are you familiar mm. with this one, Mark? Well, anyway, if you're not, it's very close to the evil <laughs> revelations, and that it accentuates control and manipulation of those around you by controlling yourself first. Be in total control of herself. Sound familiar? Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it works well for the would-be leaders in the group. That's pretty much I could yeah. say about that. Yeah, if you want to have a mastermind or a manipulator who's not evil at heart, then this path is ideal. Um, the, the, the sinister politician who may not be corrupt, um, but, but nevertheless is looking to, uh, to pull the strings of those around him. And there's also plenty of uh, roads of enlightenment, uh, or paths, I should say. Uh, if you check out the Dark Ages Vampire, there's quite a few of them in there you can grab and probably convert over to your game quite easily, because anything can convert over from Dark Ages. This is what I think. Yeah, in, in Dark Ages, they're known as roads. And in fact, some of them have uh, supplemental splat books just totally fleshing out those. Um, the Road of Sin, the Road of the Beast, the Road of Kings. So you could go to a Vampire Dark Ages supplement and draw inspiration from those and even transplant the the roads into the modern day paths uh, without too much trouble. Um, now, in addition to the Paths of Enlightenment, another thing that really sets the Sabbat vampires apart from their Camerata counterparts are the idea of the Ritai, uh, numerous rites and rituals that the Sabbat use. Um, it's another powerful way of portraying the Sabbat. The Guide to the Sabbat, the hardcover, lists plenty of these. I mean, pages and pages of the things, um, down from the small little daily rituals that uh, come at the rising of, uh, of the moon to enormous grand uh, blood feasts that the, uh, uh, the local bishop might hold. Um, check them out, and you should make sure that they're central to any Sabbat game, uh, whether you're running it for player characters or whether you're portraying NPCs. Uh, there's two in particular um, that I think should receive special attention. Uh, the Creation Rites, which I mentioned just a moment ago, and the Voldery. Um, Vince, maybe you want to talk a bit about the Creation Rites here. Uh, they mostly differ from clan to clan. Uh, it was emphasized more on the revised hardcore, uh, hardcore book. Uh, one, of the, one of the versions uh, has newly embraced vampires uh, buried alive. Well... Yeah. Undead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it forced to dig their way to freedom. How about that? What would you think about that? I mean, that's got to be crazy to do that. Imagine putting that in one of your campaign, uh, one of your stories, and having your players start from there. Great way to start. Yeah, it really sets the tone. And then, of course, those who failed or left to uh, rot in earth, and you know, pretty much that's their doom. Uh, whatever creation rate you use, you start with something as powerful as this. Uh, that's pretty much. All I can think about for that offhand, Mark. Would you have anything to add to that? Yeah, well, I mean, what's what's good about those is it, like I said, sets the tone for the game where, you know, you start off effectively as a, a would-be corpse and you have to dig your way out and show that you're 
powerful and strong enough to uh, to take this new underlife by the throat. And it helps set the Sabbat apart from the, uh, oh, I look good in velvet brigade. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, <laughs> a literal rebirth into a new existence and removal from humanity into a new state. That could be good for our sub-storylines. Yeah, definitely. I could think about throwing that into my campaign. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the other one uh, that we mentioned a moment ago, the Voldery. Uh, this is the ritual of sharing blood between pack members, making each member blood-bonded to the rest in varying degrees. Uh, more than that, though, it lies at the heart of the Sabbat sect. It binds the Sabbat together in belief, in purpose, in spirit. Um, the Voldery ritual is presided over by the pack priest. Um, and quite simply, the, uh, each member of the pack drains a bit of blood into a chalice which is then passed around uh, and they all drink from it um, so as you can imagine it would be a great tool to use at the gaming table um, if you're that kind of gamer uh, you could even use a prop such as a nice gothic chalice to hand around or hollowed out skull or <laughs> something similar of course you should only mind the sharing and the drinking of the blood uh, we don't <laughs> want to condone any uh, ritual bloodletting here on the darker days of course not we don't condone anything <laughs> here like that at all <laughs> And uh, they mostly travel, they mostly are considered packs, right, Mark? And uh, the pack is uh, the central structure to the Sabbat. Yeah, it's more binding than the, the coteries of the Camarilla. Um, they're not held together by convenience or politics or circumstance. They're held together by blood, blood. by the Voldery, by belief. Um, and Sabbat games should really emphasize this. You know, they're, they're not lone wolves. They live and function as a group. They're powerfully loyal and committed to one another. Um, and it's you know it's a great analog for the for the gaming group itself. So you know, needless to say, the playing group should probably be the pack or very based very closely around it. Um, maybe you want one player to be the pack priest, another to be the the doctors, the leader of the pack, or maybe you want to save that role for an NPC. I actually would, I would think making that an NPC would be a little bit more fair. I I just every time I have a group and I say, all right, you're the leader, or they designate one. That just leads to so many fights and. People being annoyed and backstabbing and little notes written around. I, I stay away from that. Totally. Yeah. Well, we were, we were once going to play a Star Trek game, and it, it derailed in the intro session when we couldn't agree who got to be the captain. <laughs> it just goes nowhere. Oh, my God. I'm Captain Kirk. And, uh, the, way we, the way we started dealing with that in our group is that we don't have necessarily a leader, but we have somebody who's our face, who will present themselves as our our leader to the group where everybody still makes decisions as a group but there's this one guy who's kind of our figurehead like the public right. relations person exactly hmm. that's a good idea that's, good, yeah, that's good actually a really good idea that way, that way no one could be actually the leader and they'll be fighting good call Rob good call uh, you know, you could build a you could build a session around the uh, uh, the death of the leader, for example, and then if your if your players are uh, responsible enough or mature enough, see how they come to the the decision of electing their own leader, um, or build a session around the destruction of one or more packs and have the characters be the survivors of these destroyed packs, and they're now forced to make a new pack. Um, either way, the pack is a, uh, an ever present part of the Sabbat. And uh, it needs to be fairly central to the Chronicle. We have some uh, ideas here to, to help spark your memory from movies. I mean, you can go out and rent them. Uh, a couple that we have are Near Dark. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I actually have personally not seen that movie. So, Mark, I'm going to let you handle that one. Uh, it's an old classic. It's a low-budget vampire movie. Um, classic pack of vampires roaming about the place in a mobile home 
with all the windows uh, blacked out, um, so they're active during the daytime, but you know, keeping a low profile. Um, what's good about Near Dark is you can use it for inspiration in developing loyalties between vampires of different backgrounds. Um, uh, they have um, there's a guy who fought in the Civil War. There's a woman he's picked up in recent years. There's a kid who's been embraced as a vampire. Um, there's a, a, a farm boy who gets plucked off his farm, uh, and he's, he's the protagonist of the film. So you have a, an interesting blend of characters there. But the way the film deals with their, their loyalties between each other, or the lack thereof, is something that could be plugged right into a Sabbat game. It also shows how different they see themselves from humanity. Uh, and it also is a great depiction of uh, the gritty lives of a nomadic pack. Um, so that's it's one worth checking out. I've, I've seen it. It's absolutely fantastic. The one thing that really resonated with me was how you can watch it for a vampire movie and see how these people have no morality left. They have no consequences for their action. They're just vampires to the core now. And in parts of the movie, it's almost an alien feeling. You just don't understand why they, they would do the things they do. But then you remind yourself that they're vampires. They're not human. Yeah, it catches, you know, for, for the Sabbat, it really does capture that idea of the humanity stat does not exist for these people. You know, they have their own way of doing things. Yeah, definitely. And then we have our uh, next uh, movie idea is 30 Days of Night, which I'm sure just about anyone who's anyone in World of Darkness has probably seen this movie or at least read the graphic novels. Oh, fantastic. I have seen this movie many times. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the graphic novels. Uh, if you want your Sabbat to be monstrous, look no further. This is your movie. Brutal, inhuman, utterly removed from the velvet-clad vampires that you see that strut around puffing their hair up. <laughs> Did you enjoy that movie, Mark? I liked it, yeah. Um, my, my girlfriend's a big uh, vampire and zombie fan, so she got the graphic novels and then we, uh, we got the movie as well. Uh, again, what I liked about it is just the, the, the monstrous nature of these, of these creatures. They don't you know, they really don't attempt to look good or sexy or seductive. Uh, they're really freaking scary. Um, and the way that that's brought across in the film uh, really, uh, yeah, really hit the button on the head for me. That's good. Rob? Uh, yeah, I actually picked up the graphic novels when they were coming out issue by issue. Oh, cool. And then, then years later, I, I went and saw the movie when it debuted in theaters. And about halfway through the movie, I remembered how the comics ended, so I was a little disappointed with it. But, <laughs> oh. Uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It was, it was intense, it was almost unrelentless at parts. And even if you're not doing like a Sabbat game, it gives a good depiction of how uh, some of the more tightly bound groups of Nosferatu might end up acting. Oh, definitely. Mm, yeah. Yes. Good call. And then we have uh, Nightbreed, which I know a couple people have uh, said that uh, it's not that great of a movie because the studio had uh, ruined it compared to the original story. Wouldn't you say, Mark? They cut it to pieces. They did. They butchered it. Um, the, the the lost footage has since been found, and there's actually right now a bit of a struggle going on um, to get the footage restored. But uh, um, even as it stands, uh, it's still a great portrayal of a society of monsters struggling to live by its own rules, removed from humanity. It's not strictly about vampires. Um, it's uh, the Nightbreed are each one is unique, a monster. Um, in, in its own right. Um, it's based on the book Cabal by uh, Clive Barker. Um, it's, it's deep in its own spirituality. The Nightbreed have their own god, for example. Um, 
It's got their own codes of honor, their own laws and belief systems. And what I think it has to offer for a Sabbat game is it really shows how to build a vibrant society of, uh, of monsters without making them just some kind of distorted mirror of the human world. Uh, it really sets them apart as their own species, their own, their own creatures, basically. Sounds like uh, something we can work with, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. Rob, you say you've checked that out before? Yeah, actually, I I have. Uh, I kind of treat the uh, the book and the movie the same way I treat Starship Troopers. They're completely right. different from one each, one another, but both are good for their their own merits and flaws. But the the thing that struck me about uh, Nightbreed was the I forget what they're called, but they have these big like golem esque monsters. That, the berserkers. Yeah, the berserkers that that they have essentially chained up, and it kind of reminded me of what uh, the Zemisi might do to some of their flesh creatures. <laughs> Excellent. Would you like to know more? Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, we have different. Uh, there's different types of NPCs as far as uh, non-players or the antagonists for the Sabbat. We do have a pack priest, uh, which is pretty much the. Uh, Classics about archetype, uh, giving sermons, guiding the pack, dispensing judgment. This would pretty much would be the leader, but you most likely want to put them as, as a non-player, as far as I'm concerned in my group. Uh, when you say, Mark? Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, you can use these as, as NPCs, or you can use them as inspiration for Sabbat characters. As far as the the pack leaders or the pack priests go, certainly initially they're the kind of thing that you want to you want to restrict to the, uh, so the storyteller side of the screen. Um, another point of inspiration, you could uh, have a character who is a, a heretic to their path, um, a vampire who has trouble following his path. Um, maybe he still has a mortal family and can't leave them behind. Uh, maybe he's suffered a crisis of faith. Uh, he struggles up, struggles to cover up his lack of belief for fear that he'll be kicked out of the uh, of the sect or even killed. Um, in a similar vein, you could have a character who is a failed initiate, someone who failed to make it through his creation rites. Um, if you go with the uh, buried alive or buried undead <laughs> and forced to dig your way to freedom, this could be someone who wasn't able to get out of the ground and was just left there. Uh, could have been buried for years. Uh, that then maybe dug up later by accident during uh, one of those rezonings that uh, empties out cemeteries and rehouses the bodies somewhere else. And in amongst all the bodies, there's this withered ancient vampire who's been stuck down there. Uh, so now he's up and about, but he has to hide this fact from other vampires. And you can get plot twists in there, such as what happens when he runs across those who put him in the ground in the first place, and remember who he is. Mm, that's a good. That that could be good for like a a solo like story. Yeah. Was maybe your players haven't gotten together, and just you and another player. Maybe you can run this, see what happens. Yeah, like a good one shot. Yeah, and then we got the caramel ah, caramelilla spy. Wow, that was a tongue twister for me for some reason. Caramelilla spy. Yeah, basically someone that's infiltrated, infiltrated. I cannot speak today. What's going on? You need, a, you need to get a beer. Ooh, beer. Mm. <laughs> anyway, this is not the beer podcast. This is the <laughs> World of Darkness <laughs> podcast. Anyway. <clears throat> yes, they're pretty much he'll share in the rituals and the rites of, uh, of the Camarilla, and uh, maybe he'll start to change his beliefs and decide maybe the Sabbat really isn't for him after all. Another one that would work well is, uh, is a, a solo game or a one-shot, exactly. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, and finally... Uh, you could try using someone who uh, is an earnest adherent of the Sabbat, uh, someone who uh, is probably young, recently embraced, and enthusiastically follows all of the sect's beliefs and their dictates. They're inflexible, they're unshakable, 
They will rat you out to the pack priests at the <laughs> slightest provocation. Um, interesting enough as it goes, but this kind of character really comes into their own when something happens to uh, shake or break their beliefs, and uh, they end up going completely postal with a katana and a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> or a chainsaw. Oh, sorry. A chainsaw, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll end that for part one this week, and we'll move on to the uh, current World of Darkness or the new World of Darkness. Basically, uh, what we'll do is we're going to make a covenant for you, and pretty much this we're going to go stick with the Sabbat this week, right, Mark? And we're going to show you how to actually make this into a bloodline and into, into Vampire the Requiem. Yeah, so, you know, maybe you know the Sabbat from the old World of Darkness, but you're a Re- Requiem player now, or you play Requiem, but you don't know much about the Sabbat. Uh, you're interested in uh, having another covenant for use in the game. Um, so that's what we're going to do here. Just take you step by step um, through turning the Sabbat into a new World right. of Darkness Vampire the Requiem covenant. Right. So basically you're just going to grab your pad and you're going to write down some notes from the uh, original books if you have them or if you have the PDFs. So you're going to jot down an overview of the covenant, what your general thoughts on it is, get a description of it, what its members are, and uh, its uh, general philosophy. Uh, get some bits on the rituals, and then uh, flesh out the titles and the duties of each of them. Right. Those, those uh, was it four or five sections, they're presented in a standard way in the Vampire the Requiem book. Overview, members, philosophy, rituals, and, and titles and duties, five. So, you know, you can get a strong handle on what these sections would look like just from reading the excellent Old World of Darkness book, Guide to the Sabbat. So, you know, go and do that. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely meantime, have that handy. We'll... Uh, We'll call out for you just a few nuggets for each section to get you going. So as an overview, um, as far as uh, Vampire the Requiem goes, uh, the Sabbat is a covenant comprised of vampires who embrace their inhuman nature and strive for freedom from the oppression of their elders. They have a strongly spiritual nature. They adhere to a variety of belief systems that govern themselves with codified rites and rituals. And they have no compunctions about making bloody war on those who oppose them. In essence, they are spiritual warriors seeking the path to enlightenment. Uh, they're basically chosen for their uh, strength of heart, their inner resilience, and their likelihood they'll be able to shed their mortal lives and live as something removed from nature. Um, they're, as far as main clans are concerned, Mark, uh, I was thinking maybe the Gangrel. And the Mechet. Yeah, the Gangrel yeah. and the Mechet, I would say, would be classic members of the Sabbat. The Venture probably will be thrown in there, uh, and I think that's about... But the, the main ones I would probably throw into there. Yeah, the Venture could be drawn to the power that the sect offers through certain of its paths. But in the end, I think the clan is less important than the strength of the initiate's soul. And we have two general philosophies going on for them. Uh, the first one, uh, the ancients are real and they hunger. Yeah, the Sabbat believe that vampires descend from a small number of powerful ancients whom they call the Antediluvians. At the moment, the antediluvians sleep. One day, however, they will rise and devour their descendants. And the Sabbat prepare for that final night uh, through subgroups, such as their Inquisition and the Warriors of the Black Hand. Now other vampires scoff at these fairy tales, but the Sabbat know the truth. Elders who do the bidding of the antediluvians must be stopped, and if they cannot be stopped, they must be destroyed. The second one, vampires. Uh, you are not human. Not anymore. Uh, basically, they are no longer part of nature. They are outside the laws of the world and must seek their own path. Humanity is discarded and other roads to the truth must be sought out. That could be uh, really good for another one-shot as well. 
along with mm. you get buried in the coffin, dig your way out, and then you got to figure things out on your own. Yeah, exactly. They do use the same mechanics as humanity. Their requirements are different, as are their hierarchies of sin. Sabbat vampires also choose a path and follow that as a way to understand what they have become or what they will become. Right. So that's that's where the the, the most modding would come in, I think. Um, Vampire the Requiem still uses humanity, and so what you what you're going to need to do is look at the hierarchies of sin as presented in the uh, Paths of Enlightenment in the Old World of Darkness, and just plug those right in in their place. The actual mechanics of transgressing that path will stay the same, but you're going to replace each of its levels with something from the path instead of uh, instead of sticking with humanity. Beyond that, you have uh, the rituals and observations. Now, we've talked about those a little bit already. Uh, the rites of creation and the voldery are the central rites of the Sabbat. So you should make these central to the covenant in order to properly represent the sect within the Requiem game. Um, alternatively, you can grab hold of the uh, Vampire the Masquerade Guide to the Sabbat, look at the huge list of rituals in, uh, in the back, and select several of those uh, that you feel fit your game best and uh, plug them into Requiem. Sounds good. And then for the rituals and observations, as we mentioned before, the, on, the, uh, on the rites of creation and Voldry, uh Hmm. I think we're on the titles and duties. I'm sorry, Mark. You're a good man. <laughs> I was reading your show notes and I messed it up. I'll admit it. I messed up. <laughs> and uh, basically the titles and duties have uh, religious overtones in it. They do have a pack priest. They do have a bishop. And they do have cardinals in the inner circle. So maybe you'll have a pack that just, you know, goes and just goes through the motions and really just works on their own with a pack priest as opposed to the larger picture. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, the, the the two ranks that you'd want to keep, I think, are probably pack priest and uh, and bishop. The bishop rules a geographical area, and the pack priest is the is the heart of the pack. Uh, they're the ones that'll have uh, the most impact, the most powerful impact in most chronicles. So those are the two uh, titles that I think the two ranks that should be central parts of any covenant in the requiem game. Uh, so there you have it, the bare bones of a sabbat covenant. Um, so go forth, fire up that Harley, and uh, raise some hell. Okay, and now on to a preview or a review. This is where Rob comes in. Uh, he had happened to grab the guy's quick start rules uh, before anyone else out there because he happens to record in the back of a shop. So he gets all <laughs> the juicy bits. Very handy. So uh, why don't you uh, jump into it, Rob, and tell us what you think overall. Well, I uh, I did get the uh, the quick start rules a little, little earlier than everyone else because I was going to run them at Free RPG Day. It turns out a lot of other stuff came up, and I never actually got to run the uh, the adventure in the back of the book. But since I was planning to run it, I've read over the entire thing like three times now, and I have a pretty good grasp of what's in the quick start rules. <clears throat> over on uh, my podcast, I did a little five-minute like review synopsis, kind of my personal thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And if, if people are interested, they can go check that out. But I, I was figuring for here we could we could discuss it a little more than just sure. me sitting in front of a microphone. But we'd like to hear you, Rob. Please speak some more. <laughs> uh, the first thing that really strikes me, though, is like at my core, I loved Wraith. Wraith yes. is probably the, the best thing they've put out. Uh, and one thing I was really hoping to see was the, the same kind of mechanic with the shadow, where somebody else would play the shadow. And the quick start rules don't have anything like that, but it's really easy to see how you could draft up a geist that is bound to your character and pass that to another player at the table to kind of take control of that entity, that 
that makes up your character. Well, that, yeah, that struck me right away. Um, the uh, the fact that that you have this this ghost bound to you in some way or form, and that that reminded me of the of the shadow immediately. I'm also a big Wraith fan, so I was thrilled to see that see that come in. Um, and there were a few other things in there as well that echoed Wraith in a number of ways. Uh, and when I was reading about Geist initially, I kind of had the impression they were they were going to step away from Wraith more than they actually seemed to have done. So uh, yeah, it was nice to see a lot of those old concepts uh, still having some life in the new game. Oh yeah! When they first announced it, I was I was ecstatic. I was looking forward to my new wraith. But then, uh, <laughs> somebody made the comment. One of the the designers said that if we were going to do wraith or Orpheus, we would call it wraith or Orpheus. We're yeah. calling it Geist because it's not the same thing. Jeez! So that that kind of killed all of my my hopes for this game. Deflated yeah, your okay. balloon. But once I actually got the quick start rule and I started looking over it, there's. It's not Wraith, and it's not Wraith by a long shot, but there's a lot of throwbacks to Wraith, a lot of analogs you could see in some of the different uh, ways they represent things. Right, I thought the thresholds, for example, were interesting, uh, an echo of how in Wraith the, the, the character's type of death marks them as belonging to a greater power. I mean, here it's the horsemen, but I think it was, was it the Death Lords back in Wraith, I think they were called? Uh, I believe so, yeah, that, that yeah. seems familiar. Um. There's the keys, you know, which were similar to the Arcanoi. Um, I like the mementos specifically, and I thought uh, they were a little more mysterious than fetters from Wraith. You know, in Wraith, you knew what your fetter was, and you knew why it was your fetter. Uh, what I like about Geist is uh, you might not know why you have a certain memento. Uh, that's something that, you know, is going to be part of your character's story arc, I suppose, at some point. But I like the idea that you have some, some talisman, talismanic object, uh, and the reason why you've got it may, may be hidden from you. I thought that was a very cool touch. We're, we're on the same page there. I thought mementos were absolutely fantastic. Uh, they are kind of like fetters, but they actually reminded me more of relics from Wraith, the hmm. uh, objects that were destroyed and crossed the, the shroud. And, right. Except now mementos exist on both sides, as opposed to just in the, the Shadowlands. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I did had, I kind of ummed and about was was synergy, which I'm guessing is their morality system. Um, and to me, it seemed a little forced. It seemed like you know they've they've set a certain template for the new World of Darkness games, and I got the feeling just from reading the, the quick start rules, of course, that they felt like well we've got to come up with a morality morality system, so uh, let's make it uh, this, and it felt a little shoehorned into the game. Now I, I guess I'd need to see it in play, but on paper it, it didn't really click for me. It didn't uh, didn't strike me as odd when I I first read it. It seemed like a natural progression. Once yeah. you've died and you've come back. Your humanity is is changed, especially if you have essentially a ghost tethered to your very soul. Mm. And I kind of look at it with the the geist is a, almost like a parasite that's part of your body now, and you don't yeah. want to. It gives you abilities and powers beyond what you normally had, so you don't want to shut it out, and yet you don't want it to take complete control of you. You want to find that that good balance between it feeding off of you and you feeding off of it. So okay. I felt Synergy actually worked really well. All right. Um, and another question that, that I came away with, um, what, what struck me about uh, the, the World of Darkness, the new World of Darkness games so far, is they, they all have a, a very strong correlate with uh, something from folklore or from legend or from fiction. And I find myself scratching my head a little bit to figure out what, it, what exactly is the kind of story that this game is meant to represent. 
you know, what kind of films or books or TV shows or myths might be represented by Geist. Um, now, it seems like it's good for, for well, the classic Orpheus myth, I suppose, um, for games about mediums, uh, those who are haunted, those who are touched by the other side, those who have had near-death experiences and come back. Works well, actually, for the possessed as an alternate system for those who've been possessed by spirits. Um, but other than that, it struck me as, as being fairly narrow in focus, you know, which, not, which need not necessarily be a bad thing, of course, but I don't, know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Rob. Well, a few things uh, actually leaped out to me right away when I was reading over it. And, you know, being a Wraith fan, one of my old favorite supplements was The Risen. And yes, yeah, that's true. Geist almost feels like a, a type of Risen game. So it calls back to movies like The Crow for me or yes. books, like, books like The Prestige. Not, not the movie. The book based on it actually deals with a, a heavy spiritualism element that's fantastic. Oh, but okay. I think we don't have the, the full picture with the quick start rules. Right. Uh, like so that's something... That's something that they would maybe uh, draw more attention to in the in the release, the main release. Yeah, I'm hoping because like I remember with uh, Promethean, uh, when it was first coming out, all I thought it was was essentially Frankenstein created monsters. And once the yeah. game actually landed in my lap, I realized, okay, there's a lot more to this than just uh, Doctor Frankenstein made a monster in his lab. You know? Yeah. yeah search, okay. Search for your humanity, pretty much. Yeah. That's what I took mm. about it. I, actually, I I mean just. I, I like that as a game. Uh, well, you know, at, at first the only analog I could see to Promethean was the Frankenstein monster, but after reading the book, you know, uh, the old legends of golems and created monsters. Pygmalion the, and that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Egyptian myths about, the, you know, mummies returning to life, stuff like that. It filled in a lot more gaps once I actually had the book in my hands, and I think we might see that, that same kind of... I hope we see that kind, same kind of thing with the Geist. What it struck me is... is uh, even though I, f- I found myself struggling to come up with good analogs for it, at the same time I was looking at it thinking, well, that, that makes it actually pretty original. You know, it's it's not something which you can easily slap a label on and go, oh, it's about wizards. Oh, it's about werewolves. Uh, it, it's it's almost like they're starting to build uh, their own mythology here, um, which uh, I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. Now it came with the uh, sample adventure. Was it? Um Basically, the sampler did it flow all right because I know a couple of the other ones in the past didn't really flow, and there were characters standing around. And what am I going to do now? What am I going to? You had to actually lead them by the hand. How did it flow, Mark? I, I mean, Ralph. I thought I, th- I thought the flow was pretty good. The uh, the execution of it, um, the scenes seemed to work well from one to the other. I, I didn't like the basic concept, you know, stop a bad guy from summoning nasties from the underworld. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit hackneyed. But uh, the actual ex- execution of it uh, seemed to step beyond that initial slightly cliched premise, and it looked like it would work well. Yeah, that was my complaint about the Hunter the Vigil one, the quick start. I really didn't like the quick start rules for that. It seemed like there was a lot of the characters can pretty much do this at this point, and then they have to figure this out. If they don't, you got to take mm. them by the hand and move them along. <laughs> I didn't really like well, that. I like the use. I also like the use of a of a real world serial killer in this. You know, it ties it nicely into urban mythology, and it also gave that adventure some added creepy resonance. So, uh, yeah, overall, I, th- I thought it looked like it should work well, but uh, I have not actually seen it in play. It felt a little grandiose for a first adventure, but uh, if if I were to actually run it with a, an actual group and not just like at a, a one shot night or something like that, I would probably weave it in with another campaign and kind of mm. have the the scenes and the events coming up in the quick start 
over a course of a few sessions instead of just one after another after another. Kind of give it a little more build-up, you know? Yeah, yeah. A better payoff in the climax at the end. Because, yeah, I mean, you're trying to stop, you know, the underworld gates from opening, which is... If if that's your first adventure, what do you do to top that next? Where you know? do you go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I so, guess that pretty much wraps that up. Unless you can think of anything else, Mark. Well, there were there were two other things that, that really stood out for me. Um, going back to the earlier section of the of the uh, of the of the quick start when it's discussing the abilities of the of the, of the geists, uh, their ghost sight, and a line that leapt out for me there. The trick is is to not see ghosts. Which I thought was just fantastic. You know, you have this default position of you're seeing dead people. You know, uh, and, uh, and in fact, the the trick is to is to tone that down and turn it off uh, to tune them out. Which I thought was a really nice touch. Uh, that lends uh, such such a degree of atmosphere that you have this this horrific reality that's impinging upon your senses all the time, and you really need to put in effort to tune that out. Uh, that set the tone for me very very well. So the ghost side is that like that Jennifer Love Hewitt ability from? Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I have I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen Ghost Whisperer? Darn. No, I'm glad it's not on over there. Anyway, I, I would kind of think of it more like in uh, American Werewolf in London when he's sitting in the theater and his dead friend just Ooh, shows up next yeah. to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. You said there was a second thing, Mark. Yeah, the uh, this thing called reverse possession. Um, <laughs> I really like that. I thought it really emphasized Twilight as an altered state rather than a destination. Like, you know, in Wraith, in Wraith you had the Shadowlands, and that was somewhere you went. You know, you go to the Shadowlands, you pack your bags and off you go. Uh, and they keep saying about Twilight is not a place, it's, it's a layer of reality that's always there. Um, and so you think, okay, well, great, so how do, I, how do I do that in play? Well, reverse possession, I thought, was a, was a great way of, uh, of, sh- of showing that as opposed to just saying it. So that really worked well for me. Definitely reminds me of uh, werewolves and stepping sideways into the uh, the Umbria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of phasing from one to the other. Yeah. All right. There were uh, there were a couple other things that that kind of jumped out to me as uh, either really cool or kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Your uh, you have the ability to infuse geists with your own plasma to mm-hmm. essentially bring them back to to being human which kind of uh, ties a lot of the geists back to like the ghost stories where the ghost just does the same pattern over and over and over without realizing why. And your geist has the, or you have the ability to step up to this geist and feed it a little of your plasma to remind it that it, it was at one time human and get more information out of it so it doesn't just keep repeating the same mindless pattern over and over. I think That's there's a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of, in, uh, of encountering a creature like that uh, and having to go up and interact with a creature trapped in some spiritual loop uh, uh, it just creeps me out thinking about it so yeah <laughs> that's very cool alright so uh, in closing what would you guys rate this 1 out of 10 for uh, Mark from 1 to 10 yeah I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for like around a 7 simply because um, as 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 a usable system, there's, there's clearly holes in there, but I don't want to, to drop its score too low because it's just, at the end of the day, these are quick start rules. So it gave me a strong feel for the game, left me with questions, and left me wanting more. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it at a 7. Maybe an 8 if I'm feeling generous, you know, because <laughs> at right. the end of the day, it's quick start. It's not, a full, it's not the full thing. So we'll say Mark 7, 8. Uh, Rob, how do you rate it? Well, I'm, I'm terribly, terribly biased because this hits that, that race spot that I've been wanting for years now. <laughs> 
but I'd probably say a, like an 8 or a 9. Wow. The quick start rules aren't perfect by, by any means, but they do exactly what they set out to do. They give me a good feel for what the game is. I know way more about it than I knew before I got it, and yeah. I'm far more interested in what product they're trying to sell me now. Once the game comes out, you know, they're going to be shuffled to the side of my shelf and never looked at again. But as far as a marketing tool, it's invaluable. It, it did exactly what it, it set out to do. Now, do we have a release date on the actual book itself? They, Gen Con, isn't it Gen Con? Gen Con. August uh, 09, which would be Gen Con. Yeah. All right, so look for it then. Right now you can go to uh, drivethroughrpg.com, uh, type in Geist Quick Start, download it there. <laughs> And look what we're referring to. Read it over. Give us your review on that and your rating. Drop by the forums. It's up, it's, Go ahead, sorry, it's, it's up at the White Wolf site as well. I just saw that today. I had missed it there before I got it from RPG. But, uh, yeah, it's up at White Wolf now, too. Oh, I didn't notice that. I, I checked it today. I didn't see that. They must have just put it Just right across it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, drop by the forums, wildgamesproductions.com slash forums. Drop, drop us a line on your review of Geist, if you'd like, or any review, and uh, we'll throw it up here on the podcast. Uh, you want to drop us an email, Mark? What's that email again? Darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. And if you want to get in contact with Rob, Rob, do you have an email uh, contact? Yeah, if you guys want to take me to task on anything I said, go ahead and rob at bearswarm.com. Or bearswarm.com is our site. We have forms, contacts. You can get a hold of me through there, too. And you can listen to Rob's podcast there, which he uh, rants and raves about all the wonderful things in life and gaming. I loved your profile pages. I had a good laugh reading those over. They're fantastic. <laughs> those are uh, those are actually something we created for a Scion game that we then ported to our podcast. They're really good. I like that one. Uh, How would you like to die? Uh, I like to die in my sleep like my grandfather, not screaming like the passengers in his car. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> if you can't laugh at death, what can you laugh at, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can laugh at that poor kid. Never mind. <laughs> um, so for future shows, we'll be back in uh, another couple of weeks. As we said, the holidays coming up this weekend. Actually, we might come back next week if I can arrange a special show because I've been in contact with one of the developers at White Wolf. Um, he has agreed to come on the show. I'm not going to say anything further than his name or anything until it's all hammered out, but just, just a little yeah. teaser for you. Excellent. Well, if it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, I ain't going to be there because I'm taking a holiday to go catch Nine Inch Nails farewell concerts. So uh, we'll, we'll sort the scheduling out for that. Well, then <laughs> I guess it won't be day. next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, didn't we have some requests in the forums, Mark? Yeah. Um, in addition to the second part of our uh, Sabbath feature, we've also had some requests for reviews of Summoners for Mage of the Awakening and a second site for uh, the New World of Darkness core line. So uh, we'll get right to those. Um, we've also had some requests from a couple of different posters uh, for a section with advice on running World of Darkness games, covering a variety of issues, you know, building the chronicle, start talking about adventures, etc., etc. So we'll give that a shot, and if that plays out well enough, uh, that could become a semi-regular feature. All right, uh, so this has been the Darker Days Podcast, episode number five. Your host, Vince, signing off. Uh, have a good night, guys. <laughs>